There are a number of instances in the Bible where sins of a particular kind are said to cry out to God for vengeance. The catechetical tradition has numbered together five sins that are identified as such in the scriptures. The reason these sins are said to cry out to God is not just because they are bad in themselves when committed by individuals but because it is especially bad when such sins are tolerated and even promoted by society, because they strike at the very basic social bonds which hold us together. Thus, in the first reading, the Lord says, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grave. But it's important to remember, of course, that while the sins of Sodom were rooted in homosexuality, the condemnation they suffered would apply generally to all types of unchaste behavior, not merely the same-sex kind. Because all unchastity is an attack on the sanctity of the human person, which in turn gravely threatens the integrity of family life and hence the common good. That's not meant to be a condemnation of individual people who might struggle with various sexual sins. They should always have our sympathy and our support. Rather, the vengeance is reserved for the society, such as our own, in which so many forms of impurity and unchastity are not just tacitly condoned, but increasingly actively promoted as social goods. The other sins that cry out to heaven are these, the cry of Israel oppressed by slavery in Egypt, the blood of Abel murdered by his brother Cain, the cry of the foreigner, the widower, the widower or the orphan, and injustice to the wage earner. As I said before, the notion of a sin crying out to heaven refers more so to systematic structures of sin that exist in a given society rather than to individual wrongdoings. Nonetheless, reflecting on these five sins is helpful for each of us in examining our own consciences. Because as the Catechism reminds us, structural sin that exists in a given society is so because of the accumulation of individual sins. As an aside, it's interesting that as a priest in hearing many confessions as I do, how relatively rare it is that anyone would confess a sin that falls under the fourth or fifth category that I mentioned, the cry of the foreigner, the widower, or the orphan, or injustice to the wage earner. These two sins can be understood as referring more generally to whether one is generous to the poor and to those in need, particularly those on the margins of society and whether one is honest and fair in one's financial and business dealings, especially when dealing with those whom we have some authority or power over, such as an employee. I suspect this is an area in which many of us could spend more time searching our consciences. But back to my main point. So we have these five sins that cry out to God for vengeance. Well, apparently the church likes grouping things in sets of five because we also have the five precepts of the church. Again, this is from the older catechetical tradition, and unfortunately they are not emphasized as much today as they were in previous generations. The five precepts are this. First, 
you shall attend Mass and rest from servile labor on Sundays and holy days of obligation. Second, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. Third, you shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least once a year during the season of Easter. Fourth, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence prescribed by the church. And fifth, you shall provide for the church according to your means. Now, I don't know if it's intentional on the part of the church, but looking at the five precepts, we can see that following them provides the antidotes to the five sins that cry out to heaven. How so? Well, take the first precept, that we should attend Mass and rest from work each Sunday and Holy Day. This corresponds to the suffering of the Israelites in Egypt. They were in slavery, and they were not given the freedom to observe their Sabbath and to honor God according to their law. By failing to attend Mass and to rest from our labors on Sundays and Holy Days, we are essentially returning ourselves to the condition of slavery. Only we're doing it voluntarily. Second, we are told to confess our sins at least once a year. By the way, in this instance, the church is setting forth an absolute bare minimum because she recognizes that some people in some parts of the world don't have regular access to a confessor. We are fortunate that in this area, we can confess much, much more frequently, and we should. The, pre the precept to confess corresponds to the sin of Cain, which was the taking of innocent life. If we fail to make a regular confession, we are in effect killing our souls. We are endangering the hope of eternal life that was given to us in baptism. The third precept is to receive the Eucharist at least once a year. Again, that's a bare minimum because the church recognizes that in some parts of the world, confession or the Eucharist might not be readily available. Again, in our diocese, that shouldn't be a problem. This precept is important because the Eucharist is the flesh of Christ, his body and blood, which gives us eternal life. It counters all sin, of course, but it especially countermands the sins of lusting after the flesh, which is feeding on carnal pleasure rather than true spiritual sustenance. The fourth precept is that we should observe the days of fasting and abstinence prescribed by the church. Most people are familiar with the requirements of fasting and abstinence during Lent but many have lost the habit of observing the traditional Friday abstinence from meat year round, which is still required unless a person chooses to substitute a secondary penance. In any event, failing to undertake these mortifications evidences a lack of solidarity with the poor and the suffering who endure much worse deprivations by necessity, not by choice. To observe these days of fasting and abstinence guards us especially against the sin of ignoring the cry of the widower, the foreigner, or the orphan, and by, and by extension, all the poor and the vulnerable, by making us sensitive to the sufferings of others. Finally, we are given the precept that we should provide for the church according to our means. We owe this as a matter of justice, not merely charity because the church is our spiritual family and we have a duty to support our family. And, so, and also because Holy Mother Church herself needs our contributions so that she can aid others in need. 
abiding by the commandment to tithe corresponds to avoiding the sin of injustice to the wage earner. As Jesus says in the gospel, our Lord will give us what we need for our spiritual well-being. He won't give us a scorpion when we ask for an egg or a snake when we ask for a fish. But the danger for many people is that they are so enmeshed in sin that they are asking for or seeking after proverbial snakes or scorpions. This is what happens when we live in a society in which the sins that cry out to God are normalized, even celebrated. But by following the five precepts of Holy Mother Church that she gives us, it is a great safeguard against becoming immersed in the sins that will lead us to damnation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.